Thanks for joining us today for another message here at Evangel Temple. We pray that God um, is working incredibly in your life through this live streaming ministry. And if God has been working in your life, please send us an email at connect at etag.tv and share what God is doing in you. Also, um, we'd love for you to be able to get involved in supporting this ministry financially so people can hear messages just like this one that's about to be um, seen and we can reach people all around the world. So thank you so much. We pray that you have a blessed and a Merry Christmas. I'd like for everyone to stand because I like to pay honor to our guest. Tonight it is a joy and a privilege to have Evangelist Mark and Susie Perkey it was two years ago tonight, the last Sunday night of uh, 2012, that they were preaching for us. And the last service of that year, they're back uh, tonight to share in the final Sunday night service of the year. And I'm delighted to have them. They're dear friends. We ministered last year in a conference uh, in one of the islands off the coast of Spain, Mallorca. And uh, it was just a powerful time of ministry that week. And I want you to make welcome evangelist Mark Perkey at this time as he comes to minister the Word of God. God bless you all. Please be seated. So good to be back at Evangel Temple. And uh, also in the great hometown of my wife, Jacksonville is home for her. And so we are in our second home, and we're so thankful for this privilege to be with all of you tonight. God's going to speak to us in a very special way, and I can't think of anywhere I would rather be on a final Sunday night than in God's house, seeking God's face, see what He would have for me to do, and how we can be more effective through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? And God's going to speak to us in a special way. You know, I just... Reminiscing just briefly, it was in a revival we were preaching here for Brother Wiggins in 1996 that Susie's oldest brother came to the service. He was sitting in the balcony of that sanctuary and he had his beer truck shirt on because he drove a truck for Budweiser Beer Company. And the enemy had been telling my brother-in-law that you can't come to Christ, you can't serve the Lord, you drive a beer truck for a living. Once we found out what had been whispered to him and that lie that had been told to him, we exposed that for what it was. It was a lie. And in that revival, I watched him during the altar call get up with that Budweiser shirt on and walk down from the balcony and get saved. And he has been so faithfully serving God ever since. That happened right here at Evangel Temple. And we also were married this weekend here in Jacksonville 33 years ago. Another special event for us. And so I'm so thankful, so thankful for that. And I, I want to also, when I was here um, two years ago, I gave my healing testimony. Even though I'm not sharing that particular story, I'm preaching a message on revival, we are going to pray for the sick tonight. So if you have a need, I want to encourage you, press in. Because the Lord's going to touch and heal and and restore and renew people's lives and people's bodies tonight because I celebrate next week while we are here in Florida, in Jacksonville, next week I celebrate 35 years of being cancer-free. Next week. So it's a lot of celebrations for us and a lot of times, as Pastor was mentioning a moment ago, getting together 
uh, at your next event and just celebrating. We're celebrating as well so many different things because hasn't the Lord been good to all of us? You know, and, and I remember early on after my healing, people would, I think they were well-meaning. They just said it like this. Oh, now Mark, now, you know, sometimes that old cancer comes back. And I've outlived most of those that said that. So anyway, I'm not worried about cancer ever coming back. I'm just celebrating every year that another year goes by, that God's faithfulness. I want to take a moment to tell you what we have available because once Susie comes and ministers in song a moment, I want to go immediately into the Word. But we could not be more excited for her new book and Bible study that just was released this summer entitled Poised with Bride Mentality. The Lord arrested Susie's attention some uh, couple of years back um, and really spoke to her heart to write a book to prepare the body of Christ for the soon return of Jesus. How many of you know not everybody's ready? Not everybody's living the life that God told us to live to be ready for His return. So it's a powerful book and the word poise stands for prayerful, obedient, integrous, studied, eyes focused and taking dominion. It's the book and the accompaniment Bible study. It's $25 for the set. And God has blessed this effort more than uh, we could have ever imagined. So I want you to take advantage. We have these available in the foyer. Susie's even signing uh, these books for those of you that would, that would like. But it was written for the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, to be prepared. And there are those that are being prepared, those that are prepared. And then she also refers to the bride that sits on the pew as well that's not prepared. And she refers to that bride as Bridezilla. It is a powerful study. You'll be blessed by it to start your new year with this powerful study. And I pray that you'll take advantage of it. Sweetheart, would you come? 33 years ago, she took a chance on me. And I'm so thankful that she did. God bless you. God bless you. We are happy to be here. Happy New Year. And God bless your family. We pray for every church on our itinerary every day and every one of our missionaries in the world every day. And we pray for this church every day because we've been scheduled here and we've been watching revival occur. And revival stirs up a lot of things, good and bad. So we always know when we've made the enemy mad. And my husband and I have really made him really mad this year. Just earlier this month, we concluded a, a, uh, our last, our 12th overseas in Vienna, Austria. And we had five suitcases. And three of them were full of the Word of God, Bible studies and books. Well, they never got off of the plane in London and we traced them, and um, so we were going in a day early because we've learned to do that, to give a little cushion, and they couldn't find them anywhere. And so we, just, we started just taking authority over the enemy who walks around trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you don't take authority, then guess what? You're going to be stolen from he's going to destroy. So we told him he has no right. And within an hour of our services beginning, 
at that church of 2,500 people, eight, eight weekend services. They made a special trip from the Vienna airport with our bags, delivered them to the hotel within 30 minutes of our departure, and the missionary said he'd never seen that in all of his years of being a missionary. And I want you to know that the enemy should be nervous when God is stirring up revival. And he is a loser. Amen? Well, I want to sing for you a powerful song about heaven. But we love you. We're here to serve you. We'll be in the altar to pray with you. And then later, if you would like a Bible study for 2015, I would be happy to sign that for you. But I want to read from God's word just a little uh, scripture that goes with my song from Luke 12. And it says, be dressed for service. Keep your lamps burning as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. And I tell you the truth, he himself will seat you and put on an apron and serve you and as you sit and eat. He may come in the middle of the night. He may come before dawn. But whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready Say amen. amen. And you also must be ready all the time, all the time looking for the Son of Man will come when least expected. But when he comes, it will be a day and he will take away all sorrow and tears and there will be no more death, no more crying, no more pain. I'll sing about that right now. try to hold on to this world with everything I have but I feel the weight of what it brings and the hurt that tries to grab the many trials that seem to never end his word declares this truth we will enter in this rest with wonders anew but I hold on to this hope and the promise that he brings. There will be a place of no more suffering. There will be a day with no more tears, no more pain, and no more fears. There will be a day when the burdens of this place will be no more. We'll see Jesus to face but until that day we'll hold on to you always give him a love wave if you're holding on amen Jesus Hallelujah. I know the journey seems so long you feel you're walking on your own 
But there has never been a step where you've stepped out all alone. Troubled soul, don't lose your heart, for joy and peace he brings, and the beauty that's in store outweighs the hurt of life's sting. But I hold on to this hope and the promise that he brings. There will be a place of no more suffering. There will be a day with no more tears, no more pain, and no more fears. There will be a day when the burdens of this place will be no more. We'll see Jesus face to face. But Praise the Lord. Are you looking forward to that day? Glory to God. Take your Bibles, if you would, please, and let's go to the very last verse in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 28. We're going to look at the very last verse. You know, we had the privilege of having a short visit before service with Brother Wiggins and Brother Wiggins Sr., you know, we're so thankful for relationships. How many of you are thankful for your friends, your church family, the leadership in your life? Thank you, Pastor Gary and Kim, for your friendship. It was such a joy to minister alongside you last year in Spain. And when we heard your music team ministering tonight, my mind was just going back of how they prepared the table for us and made it easy for us to preach. And uh, you all are really blessed as a church. But there's one thing that I want to tell you that I really believe the Lord spoke to my heart you know what you don't confront you will conform to I want to say it again what you do not confront you will conform to 
I really believe, as now we have the ability through social media to follow one another, I know what your pastor's been preaching. I, I follow closely. I'm here to compliment what he's already speaking. I'm not here to um, do my own thing. I want to compliment your pastor in this message. Evangelists should come alongside the local pastor and really be an extra shot in the arm and stir up the gifts. And I believe that's what God has called this ministry to do, and that's what we believe God will help us to do by His grace. But this church, Evangel Temple, is a church of contenders. You're contending for the move of the Holy Ghost. You're working for it. You're praying towards it. You're declaring it. You're decreeing it. You're living it. You're preaching it. You're singing it. And I believe in these last days before the coming of the Lord, there's going to be a host of churches that are going to be contenders for the move of God. And I believe that's what God has called this church to be. And he is using this church in a mighty way, not just here in Jacksonville, but all over the world because your influence is far felt. And so with that in mind, I want you to listen to this message God spoke to my heart for Evangel Temple tonight. The last verse of Acts 28, are you there? It says, Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray you'll give us ears to hear and hearts to receive the word of God. We thank you, Lord, for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Without it, we are wasting our time. And we pray that you will anoint us to hear and receive in Jesus' name we ask. And everyone said amen. I want to preach to you tonight this, this message, the unstoppable gospel of Jesus Christ. We've got a lot of things happening in our world that might uh, seem to point uh, some kind of a defeat to us because sometimes it seems that Satan has gained an advantage upon the church. But if he has gained an advantage, it's the result of our own spiritual temperature that's been on the decline. Because the Lord, He is the same and He does not change. And He has sent us everything we need to walk in victory and in power and in favor with God and man. Now the book of Acts, as we're reading here, Acts 28 verses 30 and 31, closes on an amazing note. The final two verses find Paul in chains under house arrest and guarded by Roman soldiers. Yet we read the joyous note with which Paul's situation is described. The Bible says that he was able to teach and to preach openly unhindered. And uh, the original Greek word for forbidding here actually means hindering. I read this same verse out of the New American Standard Version and it read like this. Paul preached and taught the gospel with all openness unhindered. Now, the reason this is such an amazing statement, because Paul was not in a posh five-star hotel writing these words. He was imprisoned. And the gospel was still unhindered, meaning it was unstoppable and it was unobstructed. Now, make no mistake, there were hindrances on, on all sides. Because when he called on the Jewish leaders in Rome to visit him in his chains, they were indignant. And they said, we, we really don't even know you. At the same time that Paul is teaching and preaching unhindered, the emperor Nero was torturing and killing Christians in the streets of Rome. In fact, Paul himself would soon be martyred on those same streets. During the time of this unhindered gospel going out 
from this rented house, this, this house prison, hell was spilling out and Roman society had become one vast orgy with homosexuality being a respected lifestyle preferred among the intelligentsia of that day. The entire Roman culture was immersed in materialism and there was this rampant pursuit of money, fame, and pleasure. And during the times that Paul was writing unhindered, the, the, the culture was just absolutely disintegrating and just crumbling. But for two years, the apostle was shut up in this nondescript house on a side street. He had no associate evangelist. He had no Timothy or Barnabas at this time to work alongside him. He had no microphone to broadcast his message. He had no internet to put out his thoughts Though that everyone could see he had no consultants or political connections to help him. But what God did through Paul was absolutely amazing. Because you see friends, God doesn't need a particular method to employ for his gospel to go forth with power. All he needs are people that are be willing to be empowered by his spirit. Who will have his word upon their lips and he will use them to even shake nations. Because Paul, let's look at him, he was a man who didn't have an ounce of charisma. He was someone with no eloquence of speech at his own admittance. Yet for two years a steady stream of hungry souls from all walks of life come to him in this makeshift jail. In fact, that little rented house served as the Holy Ghost Grand Central Headquarters for Operation Rome. And inside God's Spirit was raising up a devoted body of believers who were going to come forth from that place preaching the gospel with power and anointing, with signs and wonders and miracles. And they were going to take the good news of Jesus Christ to the farthest corners of the empire. Here's what I believe God is telling us. God, through His Holy Spirit, can lay hold of any person and bring him or her to a place of total dependence on the empowerment of his spirit. And that person can reach communities, cities, even nations from the most insignificant of places. Because this picture is a picture of our modern day America. While we are preaching freely and the gospel is going forth in powerful ways, our culture is disintegrating. The same time we have the freedoms that we're enjoying and even though they are being challenged right now, we still have no one really bothering us. My grandmother, I preached her funeral eight years ago at the age of 100. And I'll never forget the last thing I heard her say before she went to be with the Lord in a Tulsa hospital was, I'm a little disappointed. And I thought a woman who's had such a blessed life, many preachers uh, in the family because of her witness. When she was born in 1905, in 1913 at the young age of eight, a woman evangelist by the name of Sister Johnson came to Rogers County, Oklahoma on, in horse and buggy and preached an outdoor camp meeting. My grandmother's parents said, we've heard about that holy roller meeting. If we catch you sneaking down there, we will tan your hide. Does anybody still know what I mean by tan your hide? And uh, all of a sudden, my grandmother saw people's lives being changed, things happening in people's families. And so she did sneak down there when her parents were out doing their farm work. And there she was saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost. At the age of eight, Pentecost came to this family and many preachers later because of the influence of God's Spirit in her life at a young age. 
She also tells the story of when that woman would be preaching nightly in that open air, what they called a brush arbor meeting. She said that farmers whose spouses were being saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and tavern owners and bar owners that had been saved, their family members and, and maybe those that frequented, the, frequented their businesses, they would pull up uh, on horseback or on, in a buggy and take rotten eggs and tomatoes while she was preaching and would hurl these things at, at her, never one time hitting her, but basket loads nightly being thrown at her. And we think we've got trouble. I've never had anybody try anything like that that I know of. And all I know is that we have the ability with the freedom that we have. And God is showing us that if, if He lays hold of somebody and somebody is filled with His Spirit, they can have a powerful testimony of God's glory in their life. And the history of God's people is full of such testimonies. Like my grandmother's and so many others, in the early 1900's there was a revival that broke out in Los Angeles. That, that launched the modern-day Pentecostal movement. It all started in a little clapboard house church in a lowly neighborhood on a street called Azusa. And people came from all over the world and experienced God's presence and power. Daily prayer meetings were held on the second floor. And the pastor was a humble African-American man named Seymour, who they said prayed for hours with his head inside a wooden box. The people, though, who walked into those meetings fell on their faces, confessed their sins, and would weep for days at a time. What I'm praying for is another visitation greater than that that happened at Azusa Street. And wouldn't it be something if God just used a contender called Evangel Temple to usher in this last day move of the Holy Ghost? Wouldn't you love to see it? It will happen. What we contend for is what we will obtain. Jesus prophesied a time would would come when world conditions would be so fearsome that people's hearts would fail them as they learned of the horrid things happening all around. And let the heathen rage and let Islamics boast that Allah will prevail and let the atheistic elitist establishment try to legislate God out of our society. Let the Supreme Court's legalize gay marriage. Let persecutors threaten and and curse. I'll tell you, nothing can hinder the preaching of the cross of Jesus Christ because he himself said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We're living in those last days now. I remember in my football days, we would hear what they called the two-minute warning. And you had at that moment, and as the captain of my team, I had to rally my team together. Sometimes we would be ahead, sometimes we would be behind. But when the two-minute warning sounded, you know what that means. You've got two minutes to make it happen. How many of you believe the two-minute warning has sounded on heaven's clock? And we are going to have to do what we do. We're going to have to do it quickly. I believe that's why God arrested Susie's attention for corporate readiness for the return of Jesus Christ because we don't have much time to wait. And the power of, of God's word is showing us that we are living in those last days even now. Europe, where we spend one week of every month, is becoming very pagan with the institution of marriage being rejected and partners living together and family values are vanishing. In Sweden, 30% of the population lives together unmarried. 
in Islamic nations like Uzbekistan and Pakistan especially, we know believers are being jailed and beaten and many are being killed simply because of their faith. Are you still here? International think tanks are saying the situation is one of Islam against all other religion. And the Islamic boast is we are going to dominate the world and we are going to destroy infidel Christianity. But make no mistake, let them threaten and let them say what they're going to say. The gospel will still go forth unhindered mightily and it will be unstoppable. But it will only happen if it's preached and it's taught in all fullness. By the anointing of the Holy Ghost. This half-baked preaching that many are doing today is not going to get it done. It's not going to accomplish the task. And people's lives will continue to spin in disarray if we don't preach the whole counsel of God. Paul said in Acts 20, 27, I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. And this watered-down half-gospel that some are preaching today is an abomination to the Lord. Yes, Jesus loves you, and yes, He wants to bless you. Yes, He wants you to enjoy your life, and yes, He desires to you for you to have miracle after miracle, but that's just half the truth. The whole gospel also includes warnings against the deceitfulness of sin. Help me now, somebody. It includes repentance and godly sorrow. The whole gospel includes preparation for persecution and a yearning for the coming of Christ. And scripture tells us in no uncertain terms to follow holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. There's a new thought. Are you with me? But the gospel of Jesus Christ always confronts men and then brings comfort to him. I read one author who said revival comes to scorch actually before it heals because it changes the way we think. It changes the way we live, it changes the way we talk, it changes the way we walk. I believe in all, with all of my heart that we are at a crossroads in our nation. This is the decade, I believe, coming this next year. This will be a great year of decision. And I believe that this is the season that America will either return to God or we will be a nation that that forever goes beyond the brink and turns away from God, we are at that place where we are making that decision now. And I believe it's time for the church to rise up and take this culture back. We've got to take it back from the gay rights activists who have passed legislation allowing homosexuals to marry, to adopt children, and to file joint tax returns. They want to be recognized as traditional American families and have their lifestyle taught as normal in sex education classes in public schools. The church must rise up and take back from the abortionists who murder over 4,000 babies every single day in this nation and will continue to do so until Roe versus Wade is overturned and the American Holocaust comes to an end. We have to rise up and take this nation back from pornographers who make millions of dollars publishing magazines and internet sites with lured pictures. It's not art, it's trash. And it is not protected under the First Amendment, no, what, no matter what the ACLU may say. We need to rise up and take America back from secular humanists whose philosophy is Satan's theology in print. We must take America back from the National Education Association which is anti-God and anti-family. 
The NEA has transformed America's schools into social sewers, passing out condoms for diplomas and graduating students who can neither read nor write. And they will give your teenage daughter a ride to the abortion clinic during school hours for an abortion without ever telling you that it's done. It happened to an Assemblies of God couple in a church I preach in in Tennessee. They got a call from their daughter that she had been given a ride by school officials to an abortion clinic where an abortion was performed and her parents never knew it until it was over and they were bringing her home to try to recover from the scars that she would forever carry. Are you still here? We need to take America back from the media who try to make anyone who says anything good about God to be some kind of a fanatic. We need to take America back from the occult. The satanic Bible is in schools, but you can't find any holy Bibles anywhere. Witches in the U.S. military asked for and received Halloween off as a religious holiday. We need to take America back from ecological fanatics who will gladly lie down in front of a bulldozer to save a spotted owl in a tree, but demand that we kill human babies while still in the womb of its mother. We need to take America back from a brain-dead government that has produced a welfare state, taxing those who will work and giving the money to those who can work but won't. That is contrary to the teaching of Scripture. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 3.10 that if a man won't work, he should not eat. America has the richest poor people in all the world. It's not popular preaching, but it's still what the Bible says. I'm going to stick with the word all the way to the end. How about you? We need to take America back from the criminals who get out of jail before their victims can even be released from the hospital. And I could keep going every night on the news. It's one thing after another. I'll stop there. But the solution for every Bible-believing, spirit-filled Christian is to get out of this religious stupor that we have allowed ourselves to be seduced by and to become an active, vibrant, full of the Holy Ghost participant even in the political process of this great nation. I'm not going to sit back and watch everything go to hell in a handbasket. I'm going to speak up. I'm going to speak out. And I'm going to live it. And I'm going to testify about it. I'm not going to be mean. I would never be unkind. But I'll never forget the day our daughter came home from public school. She's now in Bible college preparing for ministry. But I remember when she came home and a, a book was assigned by the teacher. It wasn't an option. It was an assignment. You must read this book. You will be tested on it. She brought this book home, and she told my wife, she said, Mom, this book is full of profanity, every two or three sentences. And my wife said, surely not, not at this level, because she was very young. My wife opened that book and took a yellow highlighter and highlighted every foul, vulgar word in the book. And all you could see when you opened the book was yellow. What did we do? We didn't just sit home and say, oh, isn't that sad that our babies have to be exposed to such things. We made an appointment with the principal. My wife went up and spoke to the principal because what was the theme that year of the school? The theme of the public school was character counts. 
And my wife took the book and showed, I mean, very professionally, went out and made an appointment, showed her every page. The principal was so embarrassed, had no clue, that she and my wife together at that moment marched down to the library, took that book off the shelves, reversed the teacher's assignment, and took every other book off the shelf by that author that was filled with vulgarity. What would happen? See, here's the thing. ISIS and all the rest of them, they're being very bold while the church just sits back and just sings songs. We've got to do more than just sing songs and feel good and have meals together. We've got to stand up, speak up, and speak out because if we don't, we're going to be steamrolled over and we will lose our effectiveness. And while we've got the opportunity, we need to speak up. We need to speak up. Had a parent not gone to the school, the school wouldn't have known. Everything would have gone right on. Right after that, all of a sudden, our youth pastor at our church is asked to come to our public school, which is a very large public school there in Oklahoma City area, to come in and teach abstinence as a core subject. The youth pastor of our home church teaches a class on abstinence in a public school in America. Why? Because the church has more influence in that town than any other entity. And I believe God's raised up this church to have more influence than any other entity in Jacksonville so that when you set the standard, the standard will be followed. And we know the standard will be the Word of God. Praise God. We've got to take America back to the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. Back to the truth. Back to the rock of ages. We need to take this nation back to repentance from sin. We need to stop having our sins explained by a pop psychologist in a counseling center and start repenting of our sins at an old-fashioned altar. we got to get back to family values, back to honor thy father and mother, back to husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Back to wives, submit yourself to your own husbands. Back to where children are received as honored guests, not just simply a nuisance. We need to get back to motherhood because the feminists of this country have sold us a bill of goods that motherhood is some kind of a social disease. But I want all mothers to hear me tonight. There's nothing more sacred or more holy than being a godly mother and raising champions called children who will serve the Lord with all of their heart. Don't buy that bilge from the feminist. I'll never forget when I called my mom one time. She had gone through some difficult physical things, and my dad was very sick, and, and she was just, she was really down. And I called my mother, who's, who's 88 years young tonight, and um, it was one of those days where she was very low. And, and when I said, hi, Mom, how you doing? And she started just saying things that were, Really not the norm, but here's what started coming out. Oh, I'm hanging in there, baby. And I let her talk for a minute. She said, I said, well, what's, what's going on? She said, well, you know, I just realized I never, I never finished high school. I said, I know that, Mom. Known that all my life. I said, you made it through ninth grade. She said, yeah, that's about it. She said, I never had a good job that paid anything. I, I never really you know, made any money. I never really helped your daddy at all and, and any of those kind. Of, and it just went on like that. And after just a few minutes, I said, Mom, excuse me, are, are you finished? I don't think she was. I said, but I've given you the first 10 minutes. May I please have the next 10? Because I want to tell you what you did right because obviously the devil's trying to tell you what you did wrong. 
let me just tell you that you are a praying godly mother. You and dad are not preachers, yet you're raised two preachers. We never missed a service. We never missed a prayer meeting. We never missed a revival. You and dad called coaches and said, my boys are, are, are gifted athletes, but you can just go ahead and mark it down that if you're having a ball game when we're having church, count them out. And that's the way it was at our house. I said, you also prayed to the effect and prayed in the Holy Ghost. I heard you praying all times of the day and night because you didn't want your sons to, to marry out of God's will. Said you were the one that I came to one time because I had a date in high school that I needed a crisp 20. Now, 20 won't get you very far today, but back then you could really have a big time on $20. And, and I said, and you looked at me and you said, who is she? And I said, well, Mom, you don't know her. She said, try me. I, I mentioned her name, and the first thing you asked me, is she saved? I said, well, I don't know, Mom, but she's a good girl. She said, I'm not looking for good, I'm looking for saved. I said, she said, is she saved? I said, well, Mom, I'm not quite sure, but she really, really is a good girl. She said, is she full of the Holy Ghost? I said, I'm not sure, Mom, if they teach that at her church. She said, well, then my $20 bill stays in my wallet. Have a good time with your dad playing ping pong tonight. I said, because of your godliness and your prayer life, I said, you have raised preachers. Your grandsons are preachers. I said, God has used you mightily to pray us through many a storm. I said, don't let the devil tell you what you've done wrong. You've got more right than you do wrong. And just celebrate the fact that God has used you greatly and he's not finished with you. We need to get back to honor. We need to get back to character. We need to get back to integrity, back to morality, back to the work ethic, back to love thy neighbor as thyself, back to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, back to the fear of God, which is the beginning of wisdom. We need to get back to the Ten Commandments and back to the Bible. Just the other day, a few weeks ago, some, we have the Ten Commandments there at the Capitol in Oklahoma City, not far from where we live, and, and, and some yahoo went through the, through, the, through the garden area and hit it with his car and just busted it all to pieces. And, and some people applauded, you know, but others said, oh, no, we will rebuild. Help me, someone. We will rebuild and we will stand for what we believe. And I'll never forget a few years ago our little hometown called Mustang, Oklahoma. What's Mustang, Oklahoma known for? Well, we have a sonic drive-in. A lot of pickup trucks. The Mustang Car Show comes there. And there's a lot of oil and gas wells and cattle all around. That's, that's kind of all we got. But that's the smell of money. Can I get a witness? In the state of Oklahoma. I'll never forget a group came in and told our churches, you can't have a live nativity scene. You can't have a nativity scene. They were telling us what we could and could not do. And they were there with their trucks and their satellite dishes and their microphones and the internet capabilities of running this all over the world. And I read in the paper that when they got through with being in our town 24 hours, they packed up at midnight and hightailed it out of town for fear for their own lives. Don't come in and tell us we can't serve the Lord. Don't come in and tell our schools that we can't pray. They told, we, they told us we couldn't pray, but I gave the invocation and the benediction for my own graduation. 
And every Monday morning in my high school, my public high school, every Monday morning, I pulled the lever down after the announcements from the principal and gave a 10-minute devotional from God's Word in my public high school because we said we're going to do it and we've got teacher sponsorship and just try to stop us. We know a lot of high-powered attorneys that are also filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm just tired of the church sitting back, you know, like a target for the enemy. Rise up with a shield of faith, with the word of God on your lips, and walk in the, the power of the Holy Ghost. We've got to get back to these things. We've got to also confront witchcraft. Witchcraft is manifested by controlling spirits in three ways. Manipulation, domination, and intimidation. I was in a church of a dear friend that we actually grew up with together. His father was actually my pastor when I was a teenager, a young teenager. And when we went, when Susie and I went to minister in our friend's church, we were sitting on the platform, and the praise and worship team was, was leading us. It was a, a stalwart church there in Oklahoma. And I, something wasn't right. The atmosphere... And even though you don't want to say it, you don't want to make a scene, I would never, you know, do anything like that. But I leaned over to my buddy from childhood and I said, there's a spirit of witchcraft in here. I said, I'm sorry, and I'm, I'm not going to you know, do anything weird. Believe me, you know me, you've known me all my life. I'm kind of right down the middle of the road, but, but the spirit of witchcraft is alive here. And so... Just happened to be preaching on those three words that night. Manipulation, domination, and intimidation. And as I was preaching on how to break the spirit of control, the church started standing. Remember this, Susie? The church started standing up and saying, no more. And they started shouting, no more. And the person who was the controller and causing all the trouble, sitting there under the guise of being a believer quickly was exposed in that service. And the church moved forward because it had been held captive by a spirit of control for years. The spirit of witchcraft lives in many churches. In many churches in America, there are power blocks controlling the pastor. And if a pastor exposes sin, then that power block will threaten him with his income or his job. I say to the pastors that I know across the land, you work for the living God, not a power block in your church. When you get in the, next, in the pulpit next Sunday, you preach the word of God until the blood runs down the aisles. Better to preach one sermon with integrity than be a puppet on someone's controlling strings. It's time for the church to shake itself from slumber. To answer the wake-up call of the Holy Ghost and take this nation back. What is it going to take to do it? A personal empowerment of the Holy Ghost. You can't do this with education. You can't do this with just good intentions. This only comes through the help and empowerment of God's Spirit. Because He said, after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you should receive power. And as I begin reading again in the book of Acts, as we all have so many times, with that empowerment always came a supernatural boldness that followed it. The empowerment never did just lead them to just stay at home and feel empowered. But the empowerment caused them to be able to step out of that house, out of that place of worship, and make an impact on the streets and on the communities in the culture and in the nation in which they live. I'm convinced that what we don't confront, I'm going to say it again purposely, 
we will conform to. If we don't confront the things that God confronts in His Word, then we will slowly be manipulated and we will also conform to them unless we confront them. That's why I believe what we contend for is what we will contain and what we will experience. Do you believe it? Stand to your feet with me. Father, we come in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you have called us your church, your bride. And Lord, you're calling us in these last days to have an impact, make a difference. Lord, there are so many around us that are lost, so many that are hurting, so many that roam the streets just speaking to themselves. Their, their minds are just fried with drugs and alcohol. God, I pray that you would rescue the perishing. Lord, you would use us as your people to care for the dying. Every outreach, every service, everything we do is all about people coming to know you as their Savior and Lord. Lord, I thank you tonight that you're going to fill your people with the fresh fire of the Holy Ghost. Because, Lord, as we enter into this new year, we don't know what challenges are ahead of us. We don't think we could see maybe anything worse happening in the world, but, Lord, difficult days are ahead. Perilous times, you said, would come. But Lord, you said to us, be of good cheer because you have overcome the world. And you did not leave us comfortless. We don't sit in our homes with the blinds closed living in some kind of fear. But Lord, we live with confidence knowing in whom we have believed. Knowing that the gospel works and when the devil tells us that they don't want to hear it, they're not interested. What he says is always a lie. They are interested and they want to hear it and they're looking for help. They just don't know where to look. Now Lord, I pray you'll help us in the name of Jesus. Here's the first thing I want to ask. I wonder how many believers would join us tonight and say, Lord, I want to start off a new year. Not as I end this one, but with a fresh empowerment of the Holy Spirit you don't know what may confront you on your job you don't know what may confront your son and daughter in one of their classrooms you don't know what's ahead but I can tell you one thing if we are empowered we will be enabled amen if we're empowered then we will be enabled to do what God's called us to do those of you with your hands lifted there's it's the majority of us would you come and gather in these altars with me right now. If you want a fresh empowerment of the Holy Ghost, tonight's the night, the last Sunday night of 2014. I don't want to leave the same. I'm not leaving until I get a fresh drink tonight from that well. I'm not going into a new year just to do the same old thing. I want a fresh empowerment of the Holy Ghost. Come on, come as close as you can to the front. There's plenty of room. Once you come in, go to your left or to your right. There should be plenty of room. I want to make this a corporate time. And then after we pray together for a few moments, we're going to pray for the sick here in just a moment. But come on, let's all lift our hands. And I want every believer right now just to begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. If you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost, tonight's your night. Just out of your belly like a river. It will flow. It will flow out of your heart, out of your spirit. Come on, everybody, begin to pray in the spirit. 
Come on, pray out loud. Pray with confidence. Pray with assurity. Hallelujah. 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 Let's sing. Let's sing this together. Come on, let's worship the Lord. Come on, pray in the spirit, everybody. what I want you to do is I want you to reach over and touch someone standing near you. Just place a hand on someone's shoulder and I want you to pray, Lord, fill them with the fresh fire of your Holy Ghost. Would you come on? Pray for somebody next to you. Come on, pray with all of your heart. Pray, Jesus, right now would just refill them. Fill them afresh and anew with His Spirit. Hallelujah. These are your brothers and sisters. This is the team God's put together for this city. Come on. Pray over them. Pray over them. Stretch your hands toward your pastors, toward this leadership team right here. Come on. If you're close to them, put your hand on them. If you're not, stretch your hands toward your pastors right now. Come on. 